Hi everyone, this is Anthony Diaz with the Pop Health Show, and this show is for anyone that has a passion for making others healthier in this world. Uh, today, I'm super excited to have Jessica Zeski on the show. Jessica is a partner at Echo Health Ventures. Super vast background across health tech, health tech investing. Anyway, I'm not going to steal her thunder. Jessica, welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much. It is a delight to be here and look forward to the discussion today. Thanks. Thanks for being here. Thanks for making time. Uh, Jessica, tell us about you. Tell us about your origin story and how you started out. Yeah, the I think when you go to that word, that origin story, you know, I immediately go back to the childhood and have this opportunity of I had a split childhood between Nebraska and California. And let me tell you, as a 13-year-old showing up in California from being raised in Nebraska, very eye-opening experience, but had a very typical 1980s latchkey kid um, experience as my mom developed um, a career in Silicon Valley in the high-tech world, um, starting in the mid-80s. And my dad worked his way up at the post office from being a mail sorter all the way up through management. And I say that, and starting back at that, of that belief of that they really taught me or the Abraham Lincoln saying of whatever you are, be a good one. And that they would both be where they ended up at the, at, in their careers um, would never have guessed that from um, being back in Nebraska and the opportunities that that afforded me then of that freedom of saying, just do whatever you do, just do it well, led me to Stanford and then led me to being uh, getting my PhD at Johns Hopkins in public health and thought for sure I was going to be a professor of public health and researcher and got there and realized very quickly that research in academia is an amazing opportunity, but had at night the opportunity to work for a private equity fund. Um, it was actually a small merchant bank in Baltimore, which caught my passion of how you actually are going to be able to transform healthcare. So I'm in my academic classes, learning about epidemiology and public health, and we're not talking about the solutions. And then I go to work for the private equity fund at night, and it is just CEO after CEO coming and talking to me about how to solve inequities in healthcare and how to solve um, move beyond just paving the cow paths of healthcare and what are solutions. And I felt that was really going to be my calling of how to work with those entrepreneurs in the public health, looking at innovation and have built a career in that of looking at that Venn diagram of where is their innovation in healthcare? Where is their policy um, you know, gnarly problems that are needed to be solved. And then where does venture capital and early stage investment come in? That's where I spent my career from that um, merchant bank all the way through and then doing it for academia um, with um, from universities investing out of their endowments and then joining Lemhi Ventures, a fantastic venture capital fund out of Minneapolis, which really looks at finding disruptive companies and changing market, um, changing markets was there for, um, working on two great funds um, and then have the opportunity to go to GE Ventures about a, almost two years ago um, with GE and the transformations that they are going through. And of course, they're GE being all over the news with, um, it, again, 
talking about companies that are fundamentally changing right now. An amazing group of people, but um, got the call to come to Echo Health Ventures and open um, an office for them in Boston. And when working with Echo, really felt a calling to join this team and um, get back to some of the investing roots um, with a health plan that I have here at Echo. Nice, nice. Well, you know, super exciting to hear, you know, how you started and, you know, your passions, you know, from growing up and being raised and those values and how they translate into, you know, what you're currently doing today and how you transition. Uh, the Echo Health model is pretty interesting. What what drew you to that model? Uh, maybe you can elaborate a little bit there. Yeah, I think, you know, when I look at joining a fund, there are a few things I was um, excited very excited about for Echo. Um, first of all, Echo is stage agnostic. Uh, we invest from seed stage, um, even pre-seed. <laughs> uh, for an example, a company we just invested in called Octave, all the way up to growth stage, and we'll invest in a company we just invested in, in Freesia. So when you start to have that opportunity to look across that um, swath of companies that gives flexibility um, as a strategic investor, um, we really look at companies that are um, need are seeking that hands-on engagement um, because that hands-on is a style that we provide at Echo. And then we offer deep resources um, in terms of our market development and our strategic investing branches. And that is extremely important because of how Echo's built. Echo is the two limited partners of Echo are Blue Cross Blue Shield on North Carolina, Mosaic, and Cambia, which is the region's plans up in Pacific Northwest. These are two of the most innovative blues plans in the country um, with Mark Gantz as CEO and Patrick Conway as CEO um, of those two who also serve on the Echo board. And with the opportunity to be working extremely closely with those two plans that can take our innovations that we're investing in our portfolio and scale them quickly in regional health plans is an opportunity that um, gives us a unique advantage as investors to bring in those partners with us to um, alongside the money. Mm-hmm. We that, mm-hmm. And again, I will come back to that. Market development is a team of people who are tied in either at North Carolina or Cambia and also subject matter experts who work with our portfolio companies as well as the plans so that um, a strategic investor, as a strategic investor, we can actually provide the value that is sometimes lip service in um, access to a a health plan or access to an LP. Um, We actually have the feet on the ground to provide that. And it's a very exciting new model. that I, I feel is going to be a model for going forward um, in investing in the future. Yeah, no, Jessica, it's it's a really exciting model. It sounds very um, almost a network effect in itself, right? The investing and, you know, a channel or potential distribution opportunity mm-hmm. for the companies that you work with across the stage spectrums. Yeah. Um, and, and what's super fascinating is, you know, the patterns, right? You, you have, you've seen with your career, across GE, across Echo, 
you've seen so many patterns and you know you obviously have a lot of passion for different dimensions of of health can you speak a little bit on some of the things that have you passionate in health today some of these patterns or themes um maybe if you want to go deeper on one or two of them yeah sure so i do do um really focus on pipeline themes in my investments um have did that quite you know at lem high um and now at echo we're writing our themes in working with the health plans but the ones i'm working on um, quite a bit right now are what i'm getting excited about is i think no time more than today can we actually start to address the zip code destiny question and the zip code destiny question to me is when you go back and really read Atul Gawande's work in McAllen, Texas, and if for people who haven't read it, it's a seminal piece of comparing um, Medicare spend in El Paso versus McAllen. And that work showed the disparities, not in zip code in terms of wealth, race, social inequalities, but just based on patterns of behavior of providers. But my, I think what's so fascinating about that story and as it emerges is the follow-up to that of when the sh- light actually was turned on and we looked at those systems years later with the advent of ACOs, with the advent of more risk, with the advent of, again, their reporting, we can now see those zip code disparities changing in that provider behavior. Now, we automatically, when we're talking about zip codes, we go to social determinants of health. Not as easy to solve. <laughs> but when we mm-hmm. start to actually have the data where we can analyze and see where are these changes, where do we see vast disparities that we can go in and start changing. Again, social determinants of health, a very different problem to solve, but one that we're finally starting to talk about. And there are some reimbursed models some models of reimbursement that I feel can start addressing those issues. So very excited about that. Great, great. Yeah, no, it's it's really interesting. Yeah, the SDOH stuff for social determinants of health is, is really picking up steam and a, a lot of mm-hmm. you know, market forces and societal forces are, are causing us to focus on these. And that study that you're citing mm-hmm. is, a, is a super intriguing one. So really enthused to hear that that, um, you know, not just Echo Health, but you yourself are, you know, pattern matching. Uh, On, uh, could you elaborate a little bit on the reimbursement models? You know, what are one or two of those that, you know, a lot of our listeners out here, um, um, you know, always are, are, you know, trying to understand the reimbursement models, areas of opportunity, but more more importantly, you know, what what are the problems that are out there where, where new reimbursement models can, you know, help solve these problems, if you can elaborate maybe on one or two? Yeah, I think when we go back to um, what is a you know what is the policy that has is fundamentally changing over the last you know decade? I I believe Medicare Advantage is going to be one of those moments we're going to be able to look back and say that changed things. And then the second one is while bundles have are being adopted and are moving forward. I think that's still just an easy word to say, what are we starting to look at as the entire, the longitudinal continuum of care where we're starting to look at procedures as episodes. And, um, you know, even if we're not going to full capitation, like you might under Medicare Advantage, um, those two movements are making providers sit up and take notice. Now, we're not all, not all providers are going the 
you know, the burn the boats um, that fee for, you know, we're not going back to fee for service. Um, mm-hmm. That's Geisinger's famous saying about that. But I do <laughs> believe that the, um, the, the approach of those two things, we're going to look back and say, that's when fee for service started to die is when those two started to ramp up. And mm-hmm. the excitement of what opportunities that opens up from a changing healthcare in this country, changing it so some of the population health work starts to pay off, starting it so that we're not just looking at one year of the calendar. You know, Medicare Advantage, you um, those members tend to stay with their plan. So you can start planning for longer um, session. I think that's one of the other reasons that self-insured employers are absolutely key to watch right now because they are taking a longer time frame and looking at how they're structuring their value-based care. So mm. just a few ways, a few areas that I'm watching in that reimbursement model changes. Super, super interesting. Super interesting. Yeah. Lots of, lots of innovation happening in the space. And obviously uh, you are investing in these different themes and you know, putting dollars behind these theses and companies that are really solving problems with their solutions, right? Problem, problem focused first companies. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a lot of different spectrum of investments, you know, some, some like the latest one you did, I think with Octave is, is more on the mm-hmm. bioscience side. Um, mm-hmm. We don't really uncover too much or go do, do too much deeper on bioscience, but on the, the, the non, you know, fee for value based companies, or maybe, you know, health engagement or digital health. Can you elaborate a little bit on some of maybe the, the, the bioscience uh, investments and, and why these are opportunities? Why are these companies Mm -hmm. coming to these spaces? What problems are they, they solving? Yeah, I think as you know, there's, I'd say that's, you know, the second area that I'm spending quite a bit of time right now is this, we have precision medicine, and then how do we translate that to precision health? And then how do we mm-hmm. translate that into precision risk? And precision risk is where, you know, obviously you can say, well, that's using AI and actuarial understanding, but it is also making sure we understand for someone who has a chronic disease, for someone who has a genetic condition where we have a genetic test that we really feel can um be changed the the health and the trajectory of that individual. Um, That is where we're starting to understand in populations, where do genetic testing fit in? Where does cell and gene therapy start to fit in? And that's the, Mm -hmm. um, that's what I say. We have precision medicine. I work here in Boston, you know, Kendall square is uh, (laughs) right around the corner. We, have amazing opportunities in medicine and science coming forward. However, I would say I think our health plans and payers and self-insured employers are, are, are need to be spending time to catch up and really understand how some of these technologies are impacting medical policy for health plans and how we deal with issues such as underwriting, privacy, et cetera. And that's an area I'm spending quite a bit of time right now. Mm, mm. Yeah, no, it's it's super interesting, and I, I I think along those lines and along that those thoughts, um, you know, obviously on on our shows here, we always like to talk about origin stories, passions today, right, in health that you're working on, and I know you've elaborated on a variety of these. 
Uh, can you tell us a little bit about the future of health? Like where, where is, and I know you're alluding to some of that, but you know, where's health going? What, what has you passionate and optimistic and very excited about uh, health in the future? Yeah, I think we, fi- we are finally starting to address who is delivering the care, when the care is delivered, where the care is delivered and realizing that those impact the affordability and the consumer experience in care. Again, that the rise of retail, the rise of chatbots, the rise of telemedicine, we'll look back on these last 20 years and say, we fundamentally are starting to change how care is delivered, um, whether it be at a Walmart, whether it be through our phone, whether, again, we're using AI symptom checkers to help us guide where we're going. But I look at that and find that to be a very exciting um, space. As Echo, we really look, try and look for companies that revolve around people, not institutions. And then we look at them from every stage of life. You know, whether wildflower working with um, you know, the maternal issues um, and then going through through um, a consumer's, even their health journeys. But that focus on personalizing healthcare and then reducing costs and cost drivers, creating better experiences for consumers, those to me come down quite a bit to the where, when, and how, and who is providing the care and how can we make that, that care better. And that comes back to the reimbursement side because we still follow the money <laughs> way back to my PhD mm-hmm. days of how do you follow the money? The reimbursement will drive provider and consumer behavior. So let's get that reimbursement structured correctly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And no, super exciting. I appreciate that, Jessica. And then, you know, along those lines, you know, so consumerization, focusing on, on the person, on the human being, their experience, their day in life, focusing on their problems, but then you have these dimensions of the provider and payer, you know, scenarios selling to them the reimbursement models. You know, uh, a lot of our listeners are in health technology or they have solutions that they're trying to position with payers and providers and obviously selling to both, you know, differs. You know, what, what would you have for either early stage companies or even later stage companies that are trying to position their services? They, they feel like they have something that solves a problem for the, the end user and, you know, how, how would you, you've seen so many patterns. What are some tips and advice for, for these companies that are trying to position and, and uh, place their services? Yeah, I, you know, as I have talked to hundreds of um, CEOs <laughs> and uh, pitches every sure. year, um, I, one of the things I really talk to management teams about as they're heading in to talk to a plan, as how, talking to self-insured employers um, is making sure that the management team and the sales team understand where the customer adoption cycle is at that time period. And mm-hmm. we, you know, there's a whole nother podcast we could do on customer adoption and why and healthcare it's slow and how can we accelerate it. But I will come back to how do we at least assess where they are? Are, are mm-hmm. the health plans at the RFP RFI stage. They know they want something and they're really just doing vendor selection. That's a very different sales point 
than or sales process rather than if they're receptive to the idea they're mm-hmm. i've thought about that that's on my 2020 roadmap let's learn more maybe i'll do a mm-hmm. pilot maybe i'll learn more versus there's they found someone in the organization that it has religion about this topic and so when i think about the mm-hmm. three r's the religion the for instance blockchain is a religion you know, there's there's people who fundamentally believe blockchain is going to change, and I there are aspects of where I absolutely believe blockchain can change parts of healthcare, but it is not widely mm-hmm. accepted yet. Receptive right. is we're ready to do this, we're ready to roll something out, we're ready to um, go, but we're not quite at the the RFP stage, and that um, again I come back to making sure that the financing, the sales are not getting too far ahead of where those three R's stand is a really Mm -hmm. meaty issue that I spend a lot of time with, with um, portfolio companies, Mm -hmm. as well as with um, our, um, the Blue Cross Blue Shield North Carolina, as well as up at the Regents Plan Cambia to make sure we're really understanding where the plans are in their buying behavior, as well as we talked about mm-hmm. many other customers also in the health plan um, world and provider world. But just that feedback is critical for management teams to learn and having what you call happy ears of mm-hmm. <laughs> really only hearing what you want to hear. Um, that's part of where we spend some time and diligence. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I love I love this mental model for thinking of it in in the three R framework you just mentioned. This is super helpful and very valuable. So yeah, we'll have to have you come back and and just speak probably just about this topic. It it is definitely something super deep uh, that that is very valuable to unpack a lot more. But um, Jessica, I want to be sensitive, most importantly, to your time. Very gracious for you taking your day out to spend time with us and to do this show. And uh, it's, it's been quite a blessing and lots of different, really good, rich uh, information on, on different angles that you've, you've given us about healthcare, you know, selling into healthcare, but also, you know, healthcare finance opportunities, distribution patterns, and, you know, where the future is going, right, in, in these different spaces. So, um, Jessica, this has been great, but I, I guess most importantly for our listeners out there that want to engage with you and get in contact with you, what would be a great way to do so? Well, please connect with me via um, LinkedIn. Um, uh, my Twitter handle is at Jessica Zesky. Um, you can also reach me at first name Jessica dot. I'm sorry, I shouldn't say first name, last name. <laughs> Jessica dot Zesky at echohealthventures.com is my email address. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure Super. talking to you. Thank you so much, Jessica. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much. We'll have to have you back. And thanks for making time. And to our listeners out there, again, Pop Health Show, all about passions and health, what's going on in health. And for people that have uh, a passion and calling to help others get healthier. Thank you so much, everyone. Thanks, Jessica. Much appreciated.